0: Welcome to the First SDA Podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God.
1: It says, then, look in Luke 7, let us turn in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 40. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 40. It says, trusting that you have it. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Now, when, and stood at his feet, and behind him weeping, excuse me, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. And one more time for emphasis. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is, who is touching him for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Pray with me, if you will, as we spend the next few minutes talking about if this man only knew. If this man only knew. Let us pray. Blessed Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for bringing us here for this appointed hour. But Father, I pray that you hide every trace of Rashid. I pray that that what is seen is you. What is heard is you. What is felt is you. What is experienced is you. And what is received is you. And there is no trace or evidence of me in any part of this sermon. Father, I pray that you be with those who hear this word, that you will remove every obstacle, every obstruction, everything that will keep them from hearing your word and seeing you clearly. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray and for this sake, amen. Amen. Uh, we, we talked uh, a time or two ago about me loving law and order and, 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 and loving investigation shows. And, and this... This, this, this sermon is, is founded and based on an investigation, and at the core of this investigation, the question that kept coming back to me, how could Simon have Jesus right there in his house. How could Simon have Jesus at his own dinner table? How could Simon share the same air, breathe the same air, eat the same food, be in such close proximity with Jesus, and yet miss him altogether? How could Simon and Jesus be in the same place, same time, and and Simon not connect with Jesus. A lot of us believe because, you know, we, we live in 2020, Mac. Man, if I saw Jesus, I don't even understand how they could d- doubt him. Man, they were so lucky that they got to see Jesus. But unfortunately, seeing is not believing. Seeing does not guarantee that you have faith in, in, in God. And so Simon is 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 evidence of that. But I wanted to know why, right? How did Simon miss Jesus, who was clearly uh, Lord and Savior of his life? And how did he miss him so so abruptly? And so As as I thought about this, it it, it took me back, because Simon is having Jesus over for dinner. And and, and no matter if it's 2020 or the year 20, there's some things that are always the same, right? Uh, uh, Have you ever had a a guest come over to your house that that was just a little bit more special than everybody else? Amen. Have have you ever had somebody that was coming over that you was like, look, you know, we can't just clean. We got to clean, clean. Anybody ever had that experience? And and, and so uh, we got a new pastor one time and. And, and my, my wife and I, we had went to board meeting and we had, we had, 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 had did all our little, our little duties and, and, and time was getting away from us. And so we had to, we had to put the, the cleaning on fast forward. And so we, we mobilized our kids and we told them, hey, the pastor is coming today. Y'all got to clean, but not just clean. Y'all got to clean, clean. And, and, and so it's amazing the kind of strength that my wife gets when somebody's about to come over to our house. And, and, and so I usually do the cooking, I usually do all the, all the, all the food preparation, and my wife is, is the general manager of house cleaning and maintenance. And, and, and it's amazing uh, how strong she can get, I mean, couches somehow are easy to be lifted up off the, so my daughter can get under there with the vacuum cleaner, my wife can lift the couch, I'm like, baby, I got it. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, y'all taking a little too long. <laughs> And so as my kids got older, we started to parcel out uh, uh, jobs. We started to hand out responsibilities because, because the, the, the pastor was coming. This became the mantra. Hey, y'all clean like the pastor is coming. And as my daughter went from six to seven and seven to eight and, and eight to nine, and, uh, uh, her responsibility became, look, you just vacuumed the whole house. Because a lot of times she would get frustrated with a job and we come to find out that she went ahead and took a nap upstairs. But long as we could hear the vacuum going, we knew that she was still alive and well with us. Amen. And so, and so that, was, that was our signal that like, still working. We still hear that vacuum cleaner. And, but, but it was without fail. I mean, in the, in the 10 years we lived in this, in this one place, uh, we may have had 100, 125 uh, dinners. And without fail. I mean, every single time the, 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 the clamp went out, hey, clean up like the pastor's coming. My son would go off and do his job, and my wife is doing her job, and, and I'm cooking food in the kitchen, and, and my daughter would be in the distance, and she would hear, hear I mean, without fail, like at, at 11 years old, and the was always the same. I go upstairs and my wife go upstairs. Leilani, what happened? Um, this sock came from nowhere and it somehow got into the vacuum cleaner. Zzz, <laughs> 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 Le- Leilani, what happened? I don't know. Rashawn's shirt somehow got caught in the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> don't know, this couch cushion somehow got caught in the vacuum cleaner. It doesn't matter what was going on. My daughter had one job and somehow, way, something always got sucked up into the vacuum cleaner without fail. And so I imagine as I put myself in their place, I imagine as I went back with, with, with Simon and Sister Simon, because you know that's who was really in charge of the Sabbath dinner, And she was on pins and needles because she was already trying to make sure that everything was just right. Right? Simon invited Jesus over. And we don't know if he asked before. I mean, you know, because sometimes we invite people over and then be like, Oh, baby, I had told them that they could come over today. And so she's like, Jesus, he's coming over today. Jesus is coming over today. You're going to tell me today that Jesus is coming over here. Uh, Yeah, and don't Jesus always have those 12 men with him? Yeah, baby, so so uh, yeah, Jesus is coming. He probably he probably going to bring them disciples. And so she, she's, she's worried because she's now have Jesus coming over. He's a special guest. And, and so the house has to be clean in a, in a special way. She's getting under the cabinets, and she's getting under the underside of the cabinets. She's pulling out the refrigerator. She's doing all that she can, and she's making sure that the rice and peas are just right. She's making sure that the, the cabbage is just right. And she's making sure that the the vegan macaroni and cheese and the real macaroni and cheese look so close that everybody wants both of them. And she's making sure because she's spent so much time and she's watched Rachel Ray and she's watched all these other people and she's making sure that her vegan oxtails are magnificent. Yes, exactly. So good you're looking for a bone inside them. And so she's, she's now perfected everything, and, 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 and she knows that Jesus is coming, and she knows that, that, that the 12 are coming, but there's somebody that shows up uninvited. And other than the person who shows up, brings nothing, and carries a plate, the uninvited guest is the worst person in the room, right? And so, so Sister Simon has gotten all this right, and, and, and Brother Simon has invited Jesus in, and he knew that the 12 disciples, but there's a woman who shows up who didn't get a call. There's a woman who shows up who didn't get an invitation. There's a woman who shows up who has a reputation where, 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 where if she came over your house, you probably want to cover it with plastic. And, and, and see, some people have mistakenly called this woman Mary of Bethany, you know, Lazarus' sister. And, but the scripture doesn't support that that's her. Uh, I'm not saying it isn't, but the scripture doesn't support that that's her. And, and some people have said that this is Mary Magdalene, but the scripture doesn't support that either. I'm not saying that it isn't 100%, but the scripture doesn't support that. And so, uh, uh, but this woman, what we do know, what we can know for sure from the scripture is that she was a reputed sinner. Now, the year 20 and the year 2020 are not very different in this regard. That when we say that somebody has... A, a reputation, and they're a woman, there's usually a few things that we can kind of narrow that down to, right? And if it's worse for a woman to be this, then we can use to kind of pinpoint what they're talking about when they say this. So maybe, just maybe, she she had a kid or a few kids, and she was not married, and she had taken these kids through the marketplace, and she had gained a reputation as a woman who has no husband, and who erased Maybe she was known to be looking for love in all the wrong places. Maybe she was she was promiscuous and her reputation had preceded her. Uh, uh, but whatever it was, she was trying to find a legitimate need, uh, fill her a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. She was trying to get what we all needed. She was trying to get what we all wanted. She was trying to get what human beings were created it with a need for, but she was going about it the wrong way. So maybe, just maybe, She borrowed somebody else's husband and she gave him back in a way that he didn't leave the house as maybe uh, 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 she's she 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 wanted she wanted peace. And so she had started to give her body away so that she can get the drugs that she needed that made her forget how bad life was. Maybe because she had a need and she had a, a hole that she was trying to fill. Maybe she had started to do certain things because she had so much pain, she couldn't find peace. And so this was the only way. And, and see, it's not only her that does that. It's not just her. And that's not just something that's exclusive to that day. It's every day as we live in the sinful world, many of us try to find, uh, feel a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. We want a husband or we want a wife and so we'll borrow somebody else's and they may not be married right now, but if you don't intend to marry them and they aren't yours, then you are borrowing somebody else's husband even preemptively. You are borrowing somebody's wife even preemptively. Maybe, just maybe you want success so you'll sacrifice the Sabbath you got to climb the corporate ladder, and they only ask for every other Sabbath. They only ask for two Saturdays a month, and even though you were raised the right way, and even though you have a relationship with the Sabbath, you're willing to sacrifice that so that you could be successful. Maybe, just maybe, you want something legitimately, but you're willing to go about it in an illegitimate way because that seems easiest for you. This woman, whatever her issue was, the city knew who she was, and this is who showed up uninvited. And I don't encourage this, I don't condone this, but, but, but I'm, I'm, I would congratulate her if I saw her, because sometimes, just sometimes, you have to be selfish for your own salvation. She knew where Jesus was going to be, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Right. She knew where Jesus was and she had she had a monkey on her back. She had a situation that was overcoming her. She had a situation that she couldn't escape and her reputation revealed the situation and she had to get out of it. And so sometimes you just got to be selfish to go find Jesus wherever he may be, whoever it inconvenience. So, young people, if I can tell you anything, forget that you may smell like what you've been through. Go find Jesus. Yeah, you may come with a little weed in your clothes, but go looking for Jesus. Yeah, you may have tattoos on your neck and on your face, and you may have gold teeth. Don't wait and come and get cleaned up. Go look for Jesus, no matter where he is. Sometimes you got to be selfish for your own salvation. Forget who's looking. Forget who's watching. Forget who don't want you to show up in the first place. Go seek Jesus and his salvation at your own risk because it's what's best for you. And so you can't wait for somebody to invite you sometimes to go find Jesus. You got to go get him because you know where he is. You can't wait for somebody to accept you or embrace you. You got to go looking for Jesus. You got to go look for love in the right place because only then, then and only then, can you be free indeed. We will always be bound until we find Jesus. We will always be slaves until we lock arms with Jesus. And so she had to be selfish for her own salvation. And I love how, how she came. She who had more baggage than Delta. She who had more issues than Jet. She who had a reputation as a sinner. I love how she came to Jesus. The scripture says she stood behind him. And the word behind is used as behind in station. As an attendant, as a a follower, as a disciple, she's not standing there like she belongs there. She's standing as if she belongs to him. She's underneath him and when she approached, she was fully aware of what she was. She knew her reputation, she knew what she had done and she knew the things that they didn't know that she had done. She knew it all too well. And she doesn't sit at the table. Like she belongs there. She doesn't sit at the table as if she's equal. She's humbled herself and she's willing to stand behind Jesus as a servant. She's willing to stand behind Jesus as someone who's lower than, as someone who's less than. She's willing to stand behind him as long as it takes for her to get what she came there for. And she brings an alabaster box. Now, the alabaster box is like a, 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 a little brittle form of marble. It's beautiful. But the only way that you can get what was put inside the alabaster box, the only way that you can uh, uh, open up and and, and expose what is inside the alabaster box is it has to be broken. You have to break the top out to pour what the manufacturer put inside of it. So, so, So see that right there, is a testimony of how she came to Jesus, and a testimony of how we came to Jesus. Some of us have something that God has placed inside, but we refuse to be broken so that we can reveal what the manufacturer put in us. Some of us have something God wants us to give. Some of us have something that God wants us to share. Some of us have something that God wants to pour out, but we refuse to be broken so that we can reveal what the Creator put inside of us. And, and she doesn't have that. That process. this symbolized that, that she's more than willing to be broken. She's more than willing to be broken of her self-seeking behavior. She's more than willing to be broken of her self-serving nature. She's more than willing to be broken of her self-value. She's more than willing to be broken and submit herself to the Savior. And so she kneels at His feet with her broken vessel, and as she gets closer. To Jesus because, because she's been used and abused. She's been herself despised and rejected. She's been herself put away time after time again. And as she gets closer to Jesus, the floodgates of, of, of her heart start to open and and she can't help but cry. As she gets closer to Jesus, as she gets closer to real more closer to real love than she's ever been before, she can't help but be overwhelmed because now she sees real love. And he's not putting her away. He's not using her. He's not abusing her. And so as she kneels at his feet, she starts to cry. Now, she doesn't, she doesn't cry that, that little a- anime cry. My, 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 my young people understand. There's you know, those little Asian cartoons that, that come out. And, and they, they always cry like, ah, and just a the little tears shooting out. Ah. She doesn't cry that cry. No, she cries the Oscar award winning Viola Davis cry. Where tears are coming out of both eyes and and, and and mucus is coming out of both nostrils and you are saying, What about me? I've been here all these years, I stood beside that ugly cry, that, that Oprah at the end of color purple cry, that that cry that makes you wipe your nose, even though you know nothing is coming out. She cries that cry because now she's face to face. With forgiveness. She's in a place that she's never been. She's experienced something she's never felt and she's overwhelmed, so she can't help but hide the stump, thunderstorm of affection that flows from her heart. And so she lets it flow and she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. Now uh, somebody should have been at the door and washed Jesus' feet but if they hadn't everywhere that Jesus went was right there on his feet. So that time he stepped over the poop in the middle of the street, but it, it touched the, the, the hem of his garment. That was right there. The dirt and, and grime that he stepped on, the rocks that are, that are, the little tiny rocks that are under his toes, those are still there. If somebody hasn't taken care of Jesus, then those people, I mean, that dirt is still there. And so as she draws closer to Jesus, she, she realizes something that we ought to realize, that the lowest part of Jesus is higher than our highest high. She realized that the lowest part of the Savior is better than anything we could ever ask for. She realized that the lowest part of Jesus is, more than, is closer to love than she's ever been. And so she respects the culture. She doesn't walk up to Jesus and, and kiss him on the cheek. She respects the culture. She doesn't even ask for his hand. No, she kisses his feet. And she pours her love for him at his feet. She concentrates on the worst part of his body, because that's the part that's closest to the dirt. That's the part that's closest to everything I've seen. And she saw as she wiped her feet with his tears, and she saw as she bathed his feet with the alabaster ointment, she saw every relationship that ever failed. She saw everybody that ever turned her back on it, starting with her father who didn't stick around for whatever reason, he didn't stick around. She saw his back as he went out the door, and she was never to see his face again, and she couldn't help but cry. She saw the abuse that she took but also the abuse that she gave and she couldn't help but be overwhelmed. She saw every time somebody rejected her, every time they turned her away, every time they manipulated her, every time they took money from her, every time they, 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 they set her aside for something or someone else, she saw all of that at the feet of Jesus. And she continued to wipe, cry, kiss. Wipe, cry, kiss kiss. And, 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 and as, as, as she does, the tears mix with the dirt that's coming off of Jesus' feet and they start to smear and line her face. The tears the, and, and the dirt mix and it's, it starts running into her hair, but she doesn't care because this is what real love looks like. It's ugly. It's up close and it's personal and she can't help but be overwhelmed because this is the closest she's ever been to love. And at the same time, That's why I love Luke, because Luke paints this picture of what's going on in her heart and what's going on in Simon's heart. And if it was a movie made today, it would be that split screen where you see everything going on and it's two people doing two different things and yet they're in the same place. And it would be exactly like this for Simon and this woman. Simon is disgusted as he looks at her. Simon's stomach is starting to turn. I mean, he can't even finish his rice and peas. Because now she got snot and dirt and tears and Jesus' feet dust all over her face. And so he can't even continue eating. And Simon is disgusted because she's now messing up his opportunity. He brought Jesus there for a reason, for sure. He brought Jesus there for a reason, without a doubt. But it wasn't to draw closer to the Savior. He had hoped that he would he would be able to check this box off that that Jesus was who he thought he was, and he asserted Jesus in this box on a provisional basis. We have these these applications that you have to fill out, and, and what we do for for certain students, we say, okay, you are accepted provisionally, but after we've seen what we need to see, you will get full acceptance. And Simon does this to Jesus. He puts him in a box provisionally and at the end of this meal he was hoping to give Jesus full acceptance. Not necessarily make him the Messiah, but he would make, he would at least check the box that Jesus is a legitimate prophet of God. And and, and he had brought Jesus over to kind of audition for him. How many of us have put Jesus in a box? How many of us have Jesus auditioning for something that is rightfully his as our Lord and Savior, that's as rightfully his as our creator? How many of us have Jesus uh, in a box and we won't let him out until he does what we want him to do? We say to ourselves, well, if he was really God, my father would have never left us in the first place. If he was really God, why are my kids acting this way? If he was really God, my my wife would be acting right or my husband would be acting right. If he was really God, why are my kids stuck in this horrible school, in this horrible neighborhood, in a house that's falling down around us? If he was really God, my my mother wouldn't be dead and, and my father wouldn't be sick. If he was really God, I wouldn't be going through all of this. But instead, we need to change our perspective. We need to say that if he wasn't really God, where would I be? If God wasn't God, what would life be like? If God wasn't God, maybe they never would have found my mother's cancer. Maybe they never would have found my father's cancer, and he would have languished and suffered in pain and just wasted away. Maybe if God wasn't God, maybe I wouldn't be here in the first place. Maybe my mother would have aborted me because she saw me as a challenge she didn't want to take on. Maybe if God wasn't God, He never would have gave you children in the first place. Maybe if God wasn't God, you're very disease-infested lump, and you would be unknowing and unwilling to even recognize that you are suffering because you don't have the capacity to understand it. Maybe if God wasn't God, you wouldn't be here at all. So we have to start looking at what God is doing instead of what He isn't. We have to start looking at where God is bringing us from instead of where He refuses to take us to. We have to start looking at God through God's eyes instead of our very own. And so we have to see God because God has held us up when everyone else has let us fall. God has held us up when we let ourselves down. God has held us up and let us back in when we have walked away from Him, knowing what was on the other side of the door, and we went through it anyway. So Simon is looking at Jesus through his own eyes. Simon is looking at Jesus through physical eyes. And and, and Simon lacks the vision that comes from a relationship. So even though he had all this Phariseeism inside of him, he didn't have a relationship. And so Simon couldn't see Jesus for who he truly was. And as I, as, I, as I was reading this, it, it took me back to being a kid. And, 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 and I'm a unique man, so y'all can only imagine that I was a weird kid. But I used to go outside and play games. And I like games that didn't have rules. I still like things that don't have rules. But I, back then, I, I, had a, I, had a, I had a game that I used to love to play. It used to, it used to be throw rocks as far as you could throw them. Right? Like you can't see where it lands, but you can hear it go Do. Like, I don't know what it hit, but dude, that sounded, that sounded far. So I used to love games like that. I used to love to, 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 to make dirt balls, right? And, and I would, I would get like a, I didn't have a wagon because my parents had four kids. So you had, you had to, you had to use the mop bucket. And so I would fill it with dirt balls and I would, I would, I would just take those dirt balls and throw them in the creek behind our house and watch them disintegrate. Like, I love little weird games like that. So one of my favorite games was, and, and I was always the winner of it too. Because I played by myself. But I was always the winner of this game. It was see how far I can see. So I would stand and we had these stone steps that, that were at the side of our house and I would stand out there and, and I would see how far I could see. Oh, okay, there's the, there's the backyard and then there's a the creek that separates the backyard and then there's a the fence. I can see that. Ooh, I can, I can see that. Oh, then there's the trees behind that. Oh, oh I can see that. Oh, there's the field. There's the, the, the trees behind that field. I can see that. And so one day I'm out there and I'm, I'm about to go blind and googly eye because I'm looking so hard. I'm thinking that the harder I look, the better I see. And so I'm out there, and my daddy sees me like this. And he's like, Boy, what are you doing? And me thinking he don't understand, dude, this is my stance. I'm playing C, how far I can see. And he's like, What? <laughs> like, I'm playing C. How far I can see. he's like, so what's that? Well, see, I look and I see how far I can see. And when I can't see no more, I won. So he's like, just like that. All right, hold on. So he walked into the house and he comes back with, with this beautiful box that I don't know if it was leather, but it looked like leather. And I don't know if it was velvet on the inside, but it looked like velvet on the inside. And so he opens it up. and he takes out something that blows my mind. Try these. I can see the park. I can see Prostom Creek Park, and I mean, it's, it's almost like I can touch it with my hands. And the game was fun when I just used my vision. I had a good time. When I just used my vision, but it was made so much better. When my father came down, saw what I was doing, saw what I was trying to do, and he gave me something that allowed me to see further than I've ever seen before. He gave me something that allowed me to see what I had been looking at all this time, and now I could now see it in vivid HD color, and it was amazing for me. And it's all because my father saw what I was trying to do. And he gave me the the vision and the ability to see what was there all the time. And see, Simon had something, that, I mean, the, the woman had something that Simon lacked. She had a vision of Jesus that was so clear that she fully understood what was going on with her. But Simon, because he was looking with physical eyes instead of spiritual eyes, he never could really see Jesus. And there's four things attached to Simon's vision, and I'm going to get out your way, there's four things attached to Simon's vision that kept him separated and disconnected from Jesus. And these things are, are going on eternally. See, the first is Simon's position. He was interested in Jesus, but he as a Pharisee believed that he is separate and of a higher moral substance than the rest of us. He as a Pharisee, which his name meant separate, he saw that he was not only above everybody else that was there, he might be, by the end of this test, higher than Jesus. And so because of his position, He couldn't see who Jesus truly was. And the woman who was touching Jesus, she because his position would be in jeopardy. There's a conversation that the Pharisees are having where they almost think that Nicodemus is bought into Jesus and they're really ready to kick him out. And so so you get a window into how how the Pharisees were were willing to hold on to the position at all costs. And, And so he found his position to be the source of his identity. He found purpose in his position. He found a a, a, a sense of of who he was and and a, a sense of recognition in his position. He found a sense of status in his position. And this position became more than the person who imparted his purpose to him. This position was now ungodly even though it was attached to the house of God. Because the position became the reason I live. The position became the reason I exist. The position became the reason I interacted. Anything that interferes—that's right. Anything that interferes with this position must be done away with. How many of us have allowed our position from God to become God? Yeah, we got elected to 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 be an uh, to to be a Sabbath school teacher, and and we are no longer about teaching and discipleship. We're about making sure that everybody knows I'm a Bible scholar. And Snell won't let me preach, but I'm going to make sure 52 weeks a year, I'm here putting it down. Because I have something to offer. How many of us have let the title that God has, 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 has allowed to fall into our life, how many of us have has, has used that as now a reason to worship ourselves? I am Dr. So-and-so, and and you better not forget it. How many of us have been put in a position and we started out with good intentions, but now we have to safeguard that because people are going to think I'm a punk in this church and they're going to think that I can just be walked all over and so I will not let anybody else do to me what so-and-so did. And so I'm protecting my position and long gone is the God who put us there. Long gone is the God who is the source of the purpose of that position. How many of us have thrown that away because the position now becomes what we worship. And this is one of the reasons Simon can't see Jesus. Because he can only see that he'll have to give up his position. He'll have to be broken if he follows Jesus. So Simon's position won't allow him to connect. But also his practices inhibit his intimacy. His practices keep him from, be, from seeing God in the way. See his practices, uh, uh, the Pharisees practice extreme outward piety. So the more strict, the more stringent, the more I reveal God in my daily life. And if you don't do this, then you are a heathen. They had, there's already enough uh, rules and regulations in Leviticus and Deuteronomy to keep anybody busy, but they added stuff on to that. Like how far you could walk—that—that that was a revelation of your, your 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 relationship with God. What you carried on the Sabbath—that was a relationship, uh, a, a revelation of your relationship with God. So if they checked any of y'all persons, y'all probably would be considered heathens because you got too much stuff with you, sister. And so they had these these practices that that they saw as their own salvation, that they saw as their reasonings. And so what they what they realized, or, 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 or what what he failed to realize, is that he needed to change, and that our practices. And our principles ought to represent the God who's at the heart of them. But this woman realized, she realized that everything she did came from her brokenness. She realized that how she got down day in and day out was merely a testimony of how far she was from God. She realized that these dates that I go on, that, that, that these situationships that I enter into, these entanglements that I allow myself to be wrapped up in, uh, uh, and please stop listening to Jada Pinkett give y'all marital advice. Um, uh, uh, just, just a side note, that's for free. I, I don't need no love offering or nothing. Please stop listen, <laughs> listening to, to that. But, but she, she realized that all of these entanglements and situationships, these are from my brokenness, and they only push me further away from real love, which is where I've been trying to get to, all along. And so Simon couldn't see Jesus because he followed these practices and he uh, worshipped his own position. And his practices and his position gave him pride, which is the third reason he couldn't see Jesus. The, the Lord says to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon says to him, say it. Simon, Jesus says, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. And I'm going to let y'all into a little window. I'm weird, and as I read the Bible, I imagine, based on the situation, what Jesus sounds like. So sometimes, like when he turned over the tables, he's Martin Luther King. That's just, you know, that, that's, that's the voice that, that comes out. But, but sometimes when when he's, when he's one-on-one and he's, and, he's, and he's breaking down stuff like this, it's, it's almost like like he's, he's T'Challa the Black Panther. And, and, and so in my head, if I, if I could just give y'all a window into my weirdness. Uh, y'all gonna love me anyway? All right, amen. All right. And so, 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 he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. He says, teacher, say it. And, and Jesus says, Simon, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, eh, therefore, which of them will love him more? And so Simon is no dummy. Simon hears this in this mellifluous tone and, and Simon understands who loves the, the creditor more, right? He's no dummy. Yeah, the one who had the greater debt in. And Jesus illustrates that the, the two debtors both owed a debt that was above and beyond their ability to pay. It wouldn't be a debt if you could pay it off, right? And, and, and when you start to look it up, it's, it's, it's amazing because the, the 50 denarii represents about $3. The 500 denarii represents about $30. But when you broke, and I don't mean waiting on payday broke. I mean broke broke. Like you, if you stole from, you would just be practicing because you can't even hold on to what you got, right? Like, so anybody that would rob you would just be practicing on how to rob because you ain't got nothing and, and everything that you do got, you owe to somebody else. And so if $3 is what you owe, but you, 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 you have a, a debt that's bigger than that, $3 being forgiven is a miracle. If you don't have the ability to pay what you owe, whatever is paid on your behalf is a miracle. Right, so the three dollars is still above and beyond what this 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 debtor has to owe. But the thirty dollars that's a mighty miracle. Right, The $30 is greater, 10 times greater than the $3, but it's both above and beyond their ability to pay. And what Jesus is revealing to them is that the sin debt that you have is way greater. So yeah, you may not be in the streets like she is, but you owe a debt that's greater than your ability to pay. And the person that's sitting before you is willing to let you off the hook and put himself on it if you could only see it. But Simon, in his eyes, his debt was small. And and, and his practice told him to only acknowledge sins that are acceptable. Not that you don't have them, but you only admit them because the group will say, yeah, that's okay. So, yeah, we stub our toe or we get cut off in traffic. It's okay for you to cut somebody out. I mean, you, you need to work on that. We'll accept that but you show up and you testify of your homosexuality, then something's wrong and hellfire awaits for you at the door. And we, we have this thing where we, we kind of balance what is acceptable sin and what is unacceptable sin. And he was, he was practicing this same principle and he couldn't see Jesus because he only had low budget sins. He didn't have top shelf or highfalutin sins. And see, his pride was rooted in his position. His pride was rooted in his practice. And his pride was rooted in the belief that he didn't have a need for Jesus. So he didn't have a need for Jesus. He didn't have a need for confession. And so he didn't need what Jesus was offering. So even though he's in the same place at the same time, breathing the same air, he doesn't have a need for who's sitting there because he's not guilty of anything. And the sad part is, is that that if Simon had truly, really connected with Jesus, his his whole life. Because he, he, he already has within him this, this need to be attached to something greater than himself. He already has this fervent desire. And as we saw what happened with Paul, the same thing could have happened to Simon. But he refused to see where Jesus could take him because he thought where he already was was good enough. And so good enough is the curse to growth. And so uh, uh, through this discourse, Jesus re- re- realized Simon's dismissiveness. Simon said it inwardly. So, right, so this is not something Simon said a lot. He thought within himself, and Jesus reveals to him all of these jewels. And so he shows that he, he's not only a good man. He shows that he has the gift of prophecy, and he shows that he can read the very hearts and minds of men. And Simon was too full of pride, and he doesn't pick on it, pick up on it. He doesn't, that doesn't even bother him that Jesus, hold on, Jesus just read my mind at the dinner table. Like it, that, that's how far gone he was into himself, that he didn't even acknowledge what Jesus was doing. And, and, and so the woman who had sinned inwardly and outwardly was fully aware of her wretchedness. The tears testify of where God brought her from. She humbles herself and she submits. And see, this is the most amazing part, as I read this, is that, is that in, in, in Eastern societies, uh, or Oriental societies, the way that you knew that you conquered your enemy was you were able to put your foot on his head and raise your hand in victory. And so what does she do as she starts to bathe Jesus' feet? She places her head at his feet. She symbolizes or she shows in outward experience that she has been conquered. That Jesus has the victory over who she used to be. She shows that Jesus has now won and so that anybody that comes for her has to come through him because I've humbled myself, i put my head at his feet and he's now standing as my conquering hero. He's defeated the demons that are inside of me. And so if you want to challenge me, you got to challenge Jesus first. If you want to come for me, you got to come through Jesus first. If you think you're going to defeat me, then defeat him first and then come for me. And so she gives herself to him in total submission, letting everybody know that she's placed her head at his feet because he's one. Her heart is his. Her head is his. And her hands are his. So when she leaves, the habits she now has are his. She's under his protection. She's under his direction. She's his and his alone. And so this, completely destroys everybody else's uh, estimation of Jesus. This shows that he's more than just a prophet. This shows that he is king of kings and lord of lords, even in this tiny dining room, with his hand on on, on, on this this plate, just like any other normal man. She shows who he truly is, and more importantly, who she intends to allow him to be. Simon's practices, positions, and, and principles, I mean pride disconnect him from Jesus. And his perspective, his point of view, his outlook on life is the last thing that he has to, to separate him from Jesus. This is the last barrier. And see, see, Simon had sinned little in his estimation, and thereby he confessed little, and thereby he was forgiven little, which means that he loved little. And, and the parable that Christ uh, shared and, and the follow-up that he reveals shows Exactly what's going on in Simon's heart. He shows that Simon has a debt too. Sure it's not as great as this woman. And so he shows that the woman loves more because she's forgiven more. Not the other way around. She's not forgiven more because she loves more. She loves more because she's been forgiven. She's fully aware of that. And and, and, and that's that's kind of how we need to we need to, to look at it. It's not that, that Jesus loved Simon any less. Because he was forgiven less. No, Jesus loved Simon and the woman equally, which is why he was there in the first place. Which is why he left heaven and came to earth in the first place. Which is why in a few short months he he would nail himself to a Calvary's cruel cross because he loved each one of them this much. He loved them to death. But Simon, even though he was at the same table, held on to his position and couldn't see Jesus. But Simon held on to his practices, and he couldn't see Jesus. Simon held on to his pride, and he couldn't see Jesus. And Simon held on to his point of view, and he couldn't see Jesus. Simon thought that that, that, that his piety saved him. Simon thought that his ability to navigate languages saved him, Simon thought that his fasting saved him. Simon thought that his vegetarianism saved him. Simon thought that his tithe and offering saved him. Simon thought that his Sabbath school attendance saved him. Simon thought that his attendance period saved him. Simon thought that because he could he was able to write a check or he was able to, to bless this person or that person that that saved him. Simon felt no need to be saved by Jesus because he had already saved himself. And so, Jesus, all you can do is cosign what I already got going on. I have no need for you. And, and, and see, so, so many of us, we get caught up in what we do, and we think that that's indicative of our salvation. And we think that, that we have no need for Jesus because we're already doing right. And, and it's the other way around, too. If I can just park right there for a second. We think, because we didn't go out into the streets, We think because we didn't sleep around. We think because we didn't do this dirt or do that dirt that we have no testimony. But if Jesus gave you breath in your lungs, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If Jesus allowed you to be able to blink and think, then you have a testimony. If Jesus allowed you to get from point A to point B as you pass accidents and roadkill, then you have a testimony. You have something to say every day that Jesus gives the ability to breathe and speak. You have a testimony to give. You don't have to be thugged out and made your way back for you to have a testimony. As long as you can breathe, think, and, and speak, you have a testimony. I love my grandmother, both of them. Uh, uh, but but, but my, my, my paternal grandmother... Uh, we would have these these parties for her every year, and she had a retirement party. Was the first year we did it, um, and and so I'm I'm a natural talker. My brother is a natural talker, but my sisters are low key. They're kind of like uh, my wife and my daughter. So you you never really hear them speak in public. And so all of our grand all of her grandchildren. There's 13 of her grandchildren. All of us spoke except my sisters. So she's in a wheelchair, and she pulls up to them and she says, uh, "Why y'all didn't say nothing?" Oh, oh, Grandma, I, you know, I don't really like standing up in front of people. I don't like people looking at me. I don't like that kind of attention. She says, come here. And she had a way of doing her face like this when she was serious. She says, the next time somebody gives you a chance to say something about your grandmother, you take it. And it's the same way with God. The next time you're in the church house, and the mic is open, and your eyes are open, and your ears is open, open up your heart and your mouth and say something about God, even if it's just God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good because that there is a testimony that somebody in a catatonic state that can't testify how good God is. there's somebody who's paralyzed by Parkinson and would love to be able to shout, jump, and say for joy that, hey, I have something to say. But because they can, you have to take that opportunity for them. Yes, sir. That was free also. I don't need no love offering for that too. Y'all can, y'all can have that. And so Simon is in the same place At the same time with Jesus, and he believed that he had saved himself and had no need for Jesus. And the woman, brokenhearted, broke down is the example of all of us. Because even though we may not have done what she did, we all have a need for the Savior that is unparalleled. Left alone, we're going to die in the dark. Left alone, we're going to wander and walk ourselves crazy. But if we come to him, there is a way that he will transform you that is beyond your wildest imagination. And so Simon, because he only saw himself, he didn't see what the woman see. He didn't see that pride is, is, is going to be his downfall. He didn't see that position was going to be his downfall. He didn't see as she saw that falling in love. With Jesus is the best thing I've ever heard done. He couldn't understand that in his arms I feel protected. Yes, in his arms never disconnected. In his arms I feel protected. There's no place I'd rather be. And so Simon dismisses Jesus because he doesn't truly understand what's in front of him. He's looking at Jesus the whole night. He's looking at Jesus the whole meal. He's listening to Jesus and somehow he misses him completely. And he doesn't embrace this opportunity because he was blinded by his position. He was blinded by his practices. He was blinded by his pride. And he was blinded by his point of view. And and, and Jesus was right there before him and he couldn't see it. I I, I, I told y'all I I love my grandmother and I spent every summer from ninth grade to twelfth grade living in her house. And uh, uh, we we spent the evenings together. I were working today and she was working today and we would spend the evenings together and one summer my grandmother gets cataracts or she develops cataracts and has to have cataract surgery. And so <laughs> she's sitting there two days after, after coming out of the hospital and, and we're watching Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Because if you spent time as a black grandchild, the rules on section 8.3.14 says that you have to watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy with your grandmother at 7 o'clock and 7.30, respectively. That's just the rules. So I was just being a, a good grandson, following the rules and I'm sitting there And we're watching and as Vanna White starts to turn the letters, boom, because she still had to turn them in, now she can just touch them, because it's like an iPad. But she used to have to spin them in, boom, boom, boom. And so my grandmother sees the letters come on the screen. And she says, "Rashid, did y'all buy me a new TV while I was away? No, Grandma, that's that's the same TV. No, those, letters look clearer. That picture looks brighter. Y'all sure y'all ain't trying to surprise me? Y'all sure y'all didn't just go out and buy me a new TV? No, no, Grandma. The remote control, look, look, it's the same remote control. That's the same TV. Wow. That looks brand new. Now this was the same TV, the same show that we watched at the same time, but she now saw it with new eyes. She now saw it with the film removed from the disease that is cataracts and she now saw it in a way that she never saw it before. And that's the same way that Jesus wanted to spend that time with Simon and remove the cataracts. Jesus wanted to show him a new way. Jesus wanted to show him what love looks like in a living color. Jesus wanted to show him what love looks like up close and personal. Jesus wanted to show him all that he could offer. He wanted to give him life and life more abundantly. But Simon couldn't see because of the cataracts. And so my my admonishment to you today is that, 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 that if you have been up close and personal, with Jesus, if you have spent time with him for some way, somehow, some, 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 some reason or another, that, and, and you couldn't see him at that time, I pray that you allow him to remove the cataracts from your eyes and allow you to see what his love can truly bring to you and yours if you only let him in. He came to Simon's house. He sat at Simon's table he interacted with Simon's family, and he was put out of the house. I love stories, and and I I am finished, I promise. But just then, my wife and I were about to get married. And at that time, I worked 60 to 70 hours a week. And she stayed home with our son. And, and, And so we were about to get married. Her grandmother comes to our house. And she's in there washing dishes with some of the hottest dishwater I have ever felt in my life. I mean, there's lava and then there's Big Mama's dishwater. And, and, and so we let her wash the dishes. And she wipes down the counters and then she cleans out the cabinets. And, and she wipes down the refrigerator and the stove and she asks, is there anything else we need her to do? And we say, "No, big mama, you relax. You you flew here. You got here today. Uh, uh, just relax." But in reality, there was some laundry that needed to be folded. There was a bathroom that could have used a little attention, and, and and there was my son's room who we we avoided uh, 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 like the plague. And and we could have let her into those areas and allowed her to help us, but because we were too embarrassed by what she might see, we let left Big Mama in the kitchen. We confined Big Mama into the kitchen, even though we needed her upstairs, even though we needed her in the bathroom, even though we needed her in my son's bedroom, we left her in that one area because that's what we were comfortable in letting her see. My friends, Jesus is standing at your door and knocking, and he's wanting to come in, and he doesn't just want to do dishes. No, he wants to come in and rearrange your furniture. He wants to come in and remodel. He wants to come in and renovate. And he wants to come in and make your life brand new. Don't just leave him in that one area that you're comfortable in. Jesus as bill payer or Jesus as deal maker or Jesus as financial clearer. No, Jesus wants to be your everything. And so if you're willing to just let him in today if you're willing to give him access to your entire house then then, then stay with me in your head and in your heart and in your living room if you're willing to let jesus take over your house if you're willing to allow him to let him in the bedroom if you're willing to allow him to let him in the bathroom then stand with me no no fancy appeal you're just saying to jesus i see who you are and i want you in every part of my house i want you in my heart I want you in my head, I want you in my hands, I want you in my habits. If that's you, then stand as we pray and close out. Blessed Father, Lord, you have come and spent time with us today. And so we ask, Lord, that as we share this space together, that you remove the the, the blinders from our eyes, that you remove the cataracts, that you remove whatever is obstructing our view. Lord, if it's position. Take those things away from us so that we see you and seek you clearly, Lord. You said without vision, your people perish, Lord. So give us a vision of you that beats everything else we've ever seen, Lord. And it inspires us to let you into our house completely. Give you total access. Let you remodel, renovate, rearrange, Lord, and recreate us in your image. Father, so we ask that you be with each and every family here because the devil is busy. He's wanting to to stockpile as many bodies as his time draws short, Lord. So we ask that you give us the inclination to fasten ourselves to you as if welded with the stream heat. And the only thing that can break us off from you is you yourself. Father, we ask these things in the mighty Son, in the name of your Son, we ask that you, you forgive us for our many sins and our shortcomings. And if today is our last day. Lord, if we never sing a, another song, if we never hear another sermon, or we never uh, uh, pray another prayer, Lord, we pray that we hear, Well done, Thou good and faithful servant. As you leave heaven one more time, coming to earth one more time, to take us home with you for all time. In Christ's mighty name we pray, and for this sake, amen.
0: We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SVA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsvachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 1130 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.